Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and I'm very excited for this week's episode. Uh, we have the awesome and amazing Dean Devlin uh, talking about his upcoming release uh, feature film, Bad Samaritan, which he directed and produced. And I I have seen the movie. I can't tell you anything about it really yet because there's an embargo on my review, but that will be up um, a couple days before the film's release. Uh, but come on, it's it's David Tennant being evil and amazing as he is. And, um, well, sans the evil part in real life. Um, and Robert Sheehan, it, it's a great film. It's you're going to love it. Uh, I I so enjoyed it. I guess that is my review. Um, but I can't wait for you to hear our interview with Dean Devlin, who has been working in the industry for a very long time, not only as a director and producer and writer, but he also um, was an actor. And if you're a fan of Real Genius, uh, he is in that. I'm just going to tell you, and you can find him. Um, But yes, I totally love Dean Devlin. He was fantastic to talk to. So we have that coming up in the second half of the episode. But before we get to Dean, um, uh, we have to talk The Weekend Geek. And I've got quite a number of things to go over, um, really kind of across the board. We've got shopping stuff. We've got TV stuff. We've got um, movie stuff. I'm just stoked for some of this uh, that I'm getting ready to talk to you about. Um, so first off, though, this is the bad thing. This is not the happy, uh, wonderful, I'm happy to talk to you about thing. This is sad news, and that is Stars has canceled Ash versus Evil Dead after three seasons. And the bad part of that is Bruce Campbell has already said that if stars can't, when that mo- that series was over, that was it for the character of Ash as played by him. So um, Ash is no longer around. Ash has left the building as Bruce posted on Twitter. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are very sad about this, myself included, but at the same time, you got to think, we have three fantastic movies. We have video games and tie-ins, but we also got three amazing seasons of this show. Instead of just a 90-minute movie, like one of my friends said, we got three seasons of a TV series based on a, a movie from the 1980s. And I mean, that's fantastic that we kept this alive. Fans are powerful, um, and maybe you never know. Maybe it can find a home somewhere else if they're uh, looking into that. I'm not sure yet. But um, Ash vs. Evil Dead was fantastic, and um, it, it's very sad to see it go, but I'm happy we got three seasons of that show because I love Ash, and I love that world that they created. Um, just a lot of great characters they added to it. I mean, come on, his dad was played by the $6 million man. So uh, raise a toast to Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um the other thing that we found out this week um, that was released was the second Deadpool trailer, which that movie, um, Deadpool's coming out next month. Deadpool 2 is coming out next month, which is pretty, pretty amazing to think we're in summer now, I guess, if you want to say. I think Infinity War is definitely the the beginning of the summer movie season, and there is a lot of films, but not as many uh, that I'm looking forward to as much as Deadpool 2, especially after this trailer where we find out X-Force is coming together in this. Um, we get to see Cable, and you have lines like the one where Deadpool calls him One-Eyed Willie, which is a complete meta thing with Goonies. I can't wait to see it. Um, but they 
they have uh, released more footage and it just looks great. I'm just so stupidly excited. So if you haven't seen the Deadpool 2 trailer, go look that up right now on YouTube. Just go. Just stop whatever you're doing. I don't care what it is. Go go watch the Deadpool 2 trailer. Um, kind of in, in within the world of comic books, um, we, uh, I don't know, man, Gotham, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, so we had this big reveal that, uh, that Jerome's brother turned into the iconic look of the Joker. So now spoiler alert, I guess, but it's everywhere online. Um, and now it's come out that Jeremiah is not in fact the Joker, even though he's wearing suits like the Joker, he's got white skin like the Joker, permagrin, uh, the whole whole nine yards but apparently now he's not the joker either and i'm getting really frustrated with gotham doing this bait and switch and it's sort of like come on why are you just holding off on that why it makes absolutely no sense selena kyle's catwoman poison ivy has gone through four iterations now i think um and it's still kind of creepy because she's still really just a 14 or 15 year old girl um You've got Batman is Batman, Bruce Wayne is there, but I don't get this whole Joker thing and it's getting just, it's kind of taking away from the enjoyment for me just because it it just, it's so not necessary, I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, just, just have him be the Joker. Uh, he's a fantastic actor and I don't get why you just don't let him have his due of, of, taking that man you know that mantle um it just to me doesn't make any sense uh so yeah i don't understand cameron monahan needs to be allowed to be the joker seriously just let him let him just let him um so let's go on to one thing i wanted to bring up because I'm random right now, but uh, I don't know if you all are watching it, but you really, really, really should be, is LA to Vegas. LA to Vegas, I, I, I hope that it's doing well in the ratings. It seems like it could easily fall into one of those uh, shows that gets lost in the shuffle because it's only a 30-minute sitcom. But I absolutely love this show. Uh, I watched it on Hulu because I I couldn't tell you actually the night it's on Fox. I just watched it on Hulu, Um, which is what I tend to do with everything now because my schedule sucks. But L.A. to Vegas is a fantastic show that uh, stars Dermot Mulroney. And I mean, it's got it's just got a great, great cast uh, with just I actually did the thing. I did. Did you catch that? I did the thing. I said DeMont Moroni. DeMont Moroni shows up in this. Dylan McDermott is the lead guy, Captain Dave, who I freaking love. And I, I, I and many other people did that with their names. And it, to the point that they actually had DeMont Moroni on the show facing off against Dylan McDermott. I, and there you go. That is absolutely why. Ed Weeks is in it. Nathan Lee Graham. Peter Stromary. Just... 
Olivia Macklin, who plays the lead, um, uh, plays Nicole. Kim Matula is Ronnie. It's just a fantastic cast. Funny, funny people. And all it is is about this this like C list airline that flies back and forth from LA to Vegas called Jackpot Airlines, and it follows these same characters as they. Um, are, are always on the same flight that flies out on Friday and then flies back um, Sunday morning back to LA. And it's just hilarious. It's not slapsticky to the point of like airplane, but it's just hilarious stuff. They are, they completely embrace when they have like uh, cameos or, or, you know, stars of the guest stars, like what they did with, um, uh, how, oh, Don Johnson was on as the the guy that owned the airline, and they actually were playing uh, Miami Vice music during his stint on the show. It's just hilarious. So please watch L.A. to Vegas. Go on Hulu and marathon through all the episodes that are up there right now and watch it and give it love because it definitely deserves it. And um, I, I just can't tell you enough about this show. Just watch it. Uh, that is one of my picks for the week. Go watch every episode of LA to Vegas on Hulu right now. Uh, so please do that. Uh, let's go to the world of movies though, and specifically horror movies. Um, because finally, finally, um, Bloomhouse and company have released the first look and first poster for the new Halloween film that is coming out this October. And what's super special, if you haven't been keeping up with this, uh, with the new Halloween uh, entry, is that it's negating everything from the original Halloween that came after it. So there is no Halloween 2, there is no Halloween 4, 5, 6, 7, however many. It's completely cutting that away, and it's only going to have, as its canon, the first Halloween film. And also what they're doing away with is the fact that Laurie Strode is Michael's sister. And in a way, that makes everything a lot more horrifying because there was no reason for him to pursue her other than he wanted her dead. Just didn't get to finish it, kept going after her. So uh, it's a little creepy. And I actually got to go on the set of the Halloween um, film set and... Uh, I got to see the mask, and I actually got to see him kill somebody, which I can't tell you anything about who and what and how and blah, but I did get to see the mask in action as he killed someone, and it's amazing, and I got goosebumps and was freaking out a little bit because it was so amazing, and um, I really wanted everybody to see the mask, and um, finally it is out there, and you get to see the fact that they have made Michael Myers age via the mask, and he is as old as Lori now, and he is a man in his 60s, and he's being played by the original shape, Nick Castle, and another gentleman who uh, is going to do the stunt work, and you'll see they kind of trade off on things. Um but what's really cool about it is how the mask, it, it, it's, it's not forced. The mask has been in storage. And so much like a normal, um, a normal mask would do if you haven't sealed it correctly and you haven't um, kept it uh, where it can't deteriorate, 
it deteriorates. It, it gets lines, it, it flakes away, the, the rubber um, gets distressed looking. And so that's what's so cool about this is uh, that it looks like an old man with wrinkles and, and uh there's blood on it that looks like age spots and it's really neat how it comes together in the design there was a lot of thought and work put into it and i'm so excited for everyone to see that mask in that um that really cool poster which is just it's just that face it's it's nothing else it's just the face and the word halloween at the bottom and um that's all you need is to know that the original is back in more ways than one. So I, I think it looks amazing. Um, and I can't wait to see the, the full movie. Uh, it was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to experience going on that set and, uh, seeing Jamie Lee Curtis with her Lori hair and, and, um, getting to see them film and, and interview these people and, um, get to talk to Nick Castle again and, and James Jude Courtney, who is doing, um, he's the, the, the second part of the whole of Michael Myers. And, um, it's, it's just it's just really amazing um, that they're doing this and they're, they're going about it the way they are. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to erase a lot of the history, sadly, but at the same time, it, it makes it almost pure in a way because this is a continuation of that night many years later where Lori is a family and um, you get to find out how she's evolved and lived with this. And Michael has been, is still there and just his brutality and and you know they may um I think a lot of the supernatural aspects are going to go away as well and that just makes it more insanely brutal that he's this is just who he is he's a killer and he's unstoppable and he's a machine so I'm really really stoked and I'm so glad that it's out there now for people to see I, I tried to um I, I I tried not to spoil it for a lot of people, but now that everyone has seen it, I'm so excited. I love I love the look. It's such a big deal. Um, a lot of people are probably like, "It's just a mask. Why are you so excited about that?" But you got to understand that Halloween fans uh, and just mask fans in general that is the icon. That that is one of the most iconic big deals even though it's just a plain white captain kirk mask turned inside out or whatever it that mask the subtlety of it is so great and now with this and and giving it the more more character this is going to be huge people are going to love this everyone's going to want to buy one so yay michael myers um so one other thing that I wanted to talk about that I, we don't really cover a lot of on this show, but it's a huge deal to me, is music. And one big deal happened this week, and that is, if you haven't heard it yet, um, the Prince uh, estate has released a recording that was mixed, actual like professional studio quality recording of the first time ever of Prince performing Nothing Compares to You. Now, a lot of people are like, well, we've heard him sing that before. Yes, you have, but it was live, and it wasn't this version, which is a studio recording version of the song, and it is amazing. 
and what they did was they released it on you can watch it on YouTube and along with the recording they released never before seen footage of him rehearsing and dancing and with his band and just oh man it hurts to see him like that and so alive and and performing in that and knowing that he's gone but at the same time it's amazing to see it uh this is pure at his prime prince he's doing jumps and moves in heels that would kill most people um and it's this beautiful song as well and hearing him sing it so we can only hope that this is um shape of things more to come in from the prince estate because we know there's just a ton of stuff in the vaults there that has never been heard never been seen just tons and tons of material and i think enough people freaked out about this and love this that it kind of I hope they're able to do more and release more so we uh, fans can enjoy it and experience it uh, over the next many years. Because I know um, from what I've heard that there is a ton of stuff in the vaults um, in at his facility. And I just, I want it all because um, I, I love Prince and I miss him and you know, getting to see, hear and see things that you've never seen of his, um, and experience it reminds you just of what an amazing artist and performer and just genius he was. Um, so it's, it's a bittersweet thing, but, um, it's worth feeling that sadness to experience that, that brilliance. Uh, so go out and, and look it up and watch and listen to that. It is fabulous. Um, so on to geek shopping, which I want to do more of and give you guys some heads ups on, um, first of all, there's a site called GOG.com, um, which stands for good old games or great old games.com. Um, they do specials and sales and things like that all the time. And they also have really, really old games on there that they have, um, the rights to, and they have retooled to allow, um, to play on new new machines, which is usually the pain in the butt of having these old games, not being able to do it. They've tweaked them for you to where you can actually play them. Um, so right now, they have some great, great deals. And it's G-O-G, goodoldgames.com or greatoldgames.com. Um, for people like me who love uh, those old, old Dungeons and Dragons games, like the Forgotten Realm stuff and the things they did with, um, like Strahd and 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 uh, you know Planescape stuff, all of that, uh, they've got an amazing deal going on right now uh, where you can get the volumes like one, two, and three of the Forgotten Realms games that were out in the eighties that are super old but amazing still and fun to play um so right now you can actually get volumes one two and three of forgotten realms archives collection you can get all three sets which have a bunch of games on them that range from the year 1988 through 92 for five bucks five dollars um, typically one game will cost you that much, 
but right now you can get these for like a buck a piece. It's insane. Um, Planescape, which is a fabulous game, the uh, the updated version of it, you can get right now for six dollars and fifty nine cents. That's normally like around twenty. Um, it's just they've got a lot of good stuff going on right now. Um, for example, Darkest Dungeon, which isn't an old game; it's a new game, but it's super super fun. It's sixty percent off, so you can get it for ten bucks. Uh, the original Baldur's Gate, the enhanced edition, actually is five dollars. You should go check out GOG.com. No, I'm not getting a kickback on this. I, they don't know I exist. I don't know. Um, but they are a fantastic site with a lot of good stuff. And they've got some amazing sales right now. Um, the Enhanced Edition of Icewind Dale is $4. It's normally 20 bucks. You just go go forth and buy. Um, enjoy. And uh, I like the other thing they have there, too, when I talked about the... They do the cool thing where they allow the older games to run on your systems. You can get all those old school Sierra titles like Leisure Suit Larry, all of them. They have everything from um, uh, Police Quest, Space Quest, all of those games are on there too. So go check it out, GOG.com. It's a fabulous site, one of the places I spend way too much money. Um, Another place I spend way too much money um, is a site called l 3 Waxy Wonders. L3. I just sounded like Peter Cook. L3 Waxy Wonders is a awesome site that you're going to get addicted to. Um, I live in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, this gal is local, but she is, has just been taken over um, worldwide now with um, her stuff. She makes some amazing geek centric um, melts. She now has a uh, beauty line or um, uh, cream, you know, ba- you know, goodies for your bath line as well. But um, she's more known for her geek scents that she does for your melts. Um, and by that I mean wax melts that scent up your house. She's got, uh, every year for Halloween she does a horror themed line. Um, she had one one year that I bought like four um, packets of because it just was that good called Bates Motel that smelled like lavender and linen sheets. See, and the uh, she had one called Crystal Lake that smelled like salt water and um, some others, uh, some sweet floral maybe. Um, so she does it smart. She makes them based around what the theme is of that melt. And so right now, I'm just excited about this. Uh, she's taking pre-orders um, for a couple of lines that she's got that are going to probably sell out. So you really want to pre-order them. Uh, the pre-orders are going on through April 25th. They'll ship out the week of May 14th. And the two um, lines that she's doing, one is Ghostbusters. And the other is nothing but 80s fantasy films. And I'm going to just give you some description of a couple of these. Um, So, for example, uh, in the Ghostbusters line, she has one called Stay Puffed. And the the line is centered around um, a scent that she created called Adipose, which is Doctor Who, of course. But it's a very marshmallowy scent. So um, each each scent in that line contains adipose mixed with some other stuff. Um, so in this one, she's got Stay Puffed, which is adipose with Lucky Charms. 
So it is super sweet and super marshmallowy smelling, which makes sense because it's the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Another scent that she has is one that I ordered because I love Harold Ramis and I love Egon and this is the Egon scent and it's the adipose mixed with a scent called Books in White Velvet. So smart and sexy and sweet because he liked his junk food. Egon did. Um, Another one is Vinkman and that's adipose with pheromones and sugar cookie which pheromones is kind of like a manly scent. Um, So there's, you know, there's one for each Ghostbuster. Janine, there's one for Janine also, which is adipose mixed with bubblegum because, you know, she liked her bubblegum. But the other line that I love is the 80s and 90s, 80s, early 90s fantasy line. And that one um, is made with all of her Lucky Charms scent. So Lucky Charms is mixed in with all of these, which is a sweet marshmallowy scent. Um, and that's why she kind of released both of these groups to look together. But this one has a, one called Dark Crystal, which is Lucky Charms and Black Amber. Another one is Legend, which is Lucky Charms mixed with Wildberry Moose. Um, I I just love it. Um, there's one that's called Witches of Eastwick that is Lucky Charms and Cherry Pie. And if you've seen the film, you know why cherries are in there. But um, I think it just looks... They're just really smartly designed. Her stuff is really high quality. And if you're a geek girl or a geek guy that just loves having that, you know, good smells in your house and you're a wax fanatic, um, which I've become thanks to her because I have like four shoe boxes just full of wax melts. It's kind of sad. Uh, You really want to check her stuff out. Um, The other one I bought, um, I got Dark Crystal, of course. But uh, the one that I was really excited about kind of nailed the coffin on me buying this was Lady Hawk, which was uh, Lucky Charms Cinnamon Sugar Dusted Pretzels. Oh, I can't wait to get it. I won't eat it, I promise. Um, But yeah, so go check it out. Um, You can go uh, to L3, the letter L, number 3 waxywonders.com you can find her um, on Facebook as well and go pre-order these right now because I'm going to tell you that she's going to sell out of them she's it's they're just that good so go please um, the pre-order ends as I said April 25th so that's in uh, as of this recording five days from now and with that let's move to our Dean Devlin interview. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. You're really going to love it. Um, We talk about the film. We talk about working with David Tennant and the awesome Robert Sheehan and how he got these guys um, cast in this film and the method of, of, of it, as well as some really great discussion about genre and um, how important it is in uh, people who don't give it the, the do that it deserves so um with that i'm going to move on to dean devlin um also just don't forget uh if you are interested in hearing past episodes of fangirl radio with some of our other amazing amazing interview segments and fun things that we've done um please go check out iTunes, go check out SoundCloud to listen to our past episodes. We've got interviews with peeps like 
Greg Nicotero, Norman Reedus, um, just really great peeps that I love having on the show, friends of the show. We've had Joe Bob Briggs a couple of times, who's always entertaining and crazy. Um, so yeah, please check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and um, we are now going to Dean Devlin, and I will talk to you guys next week on Fangirl Radio. Everyone, I want to welcome the producer and director and actor as well, Dean Devlin, to Fangirl Radio. Uh, Dean is the man behind uh, a fantastic movie that's going to make you freak out at the very, very dark side of a guy named David Tennant called Bad Samaritan that I finished last night. And holy crap. (laughs) So that's really, that was really my reaction. Um, I think so, that's the best review I've ever gotten on anything in my entire life. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. So, um, uh, I'm just going to go for it here. Um, so the first thing, though, because I know you're going to be asked about David constantly about this movie and, and the things that he does in it and how he, he reacts. But the thing is, those of us knew who had seen a movie called Secret Smile before he even had done mm. Jessica Jones, knew that he could play creepy and, and evil. Um, so can you talk about what led you to cast him in this as this character and the process that he went into? Because he goes more crazy, just demonic in this than he does, I think, in even, like I said, Jessica Jones, I think, because there's no... At least with Kilgrave's character, he was more stylish, I guess would be a word, or subtle. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, there's a supernatural aspect of Kilgrave, which mm-hmm. elevates it. You know, what, what, what I think makes his performance in this so ultimately horrifying is that he created someone who's 100% credible. In other words, this is the kind of evil that actually walks amongst us in real life. Right. This is the kind of psychopath that could live down the hall from you or across the street. This is the kind of psychopath who could be elected to office. This is the kind of psychopath who could run a giant corporation. I mean, these people exist. And that's why, in a weird way, this is more terrifying than even films that have creatures and and supernatural, because you could actually run into this guy. Well, and and in the film, uh, he even says, you know, I have money. That's how I can get away with this. And that's one of the more terrifying things is enough money can get you anything. Oh, it could possibly get you the highest office in the land. But it 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 actually it's literally like an evil Bruce Wayne. (laughs) That's a great description. (laughs) I like that. An evil Bruce Wayne. And you, and you kind of talk about what you just said um, in terms of the guy that lives down the street could be this guy. Uh, Brandon uh, Boyce has a, has a knack for creating these suburban settings, you know, like with, with he did, what he did with Apt Pupil, where it's that evil that lives just down the street that you don't know is right next to you. Brandon is obsessed with psychopaths and sociopaths. And when, you know, when he came to set, he, he came armed with these, these huge books all about the psychological background on people who have no empathy and no ability to feel guilt. And 
you know, we, we, the two of us sat down with David Tennant and we started just talking about this character. You know, Tennant is such a chameleon, you know, because first of all, in real life, he's the nicest person you're ever going to meet. Oh, oh yeah. Period. He's just the sweetest guy in the world. But the minute I would say action, the muscles in his face would change. His eyes would turn dark and suddenly he became this terrifying person. And then I would say cut, and he was like, oh, how was that? Was that, was that all right? <laughs> <You know. laughs> he, he's kind of incredible, but he, it's because he is a real chameleon. He has the ability to not just act like someone, but he can actually inhabit their skin, and, and it's just remarkable. You know, if you think about actors who became famous doing a, a certain type of part, we usually love them when they do that part, and then we kind of tolerate when they do something else, or, you know, or at best we appreciate it. But what we really want them to do is the kind of stuff that we love them doing. Tennant has generated as much love for his Kilgrave as he did for Broadchurch, as he did for Doctor Who. And that's really unique. You know? And for me, the advantage of making a movie independently is there was no one there to tell me who I can and cannot cast. You know, it was never about who had more Twitter followers or, or who had a sex tape out or, you know, who starred in the last superhero movie. It was about who's the best actor in the world to play this part. And for a guy who's a giant Doctor Who nerd to get the 10th Doctor to come in and do this part was probably the coolest thing that ever happened to me. Well, and it's kind of funny because I've, I've made a mention that I'm, I'm waiting for... Uh, 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 Peter Capaldi to play Satan now because you've had David Tennant. <laughs> he, he's well, David Tennant's played this now. He's played Kilgrave. You know, he's he's shown that you know he's kind of shed that skin. Even though he'll always be the Doctor, he's always going to be. You know, he's 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 shown I can be just evil. And now you've got Matt Smith playing Charles Manson in a movie. And so I'm just waiting right. for this to happen. But, um, I mean, it's it's one of those things I was going to ask you about um, in terms of inhabiting this character, because I, he just, I, I don't know what it is, it just, it, it really got to me how this the screaming and, like, the turn on a dime that he does in this is so extreme. Um, you talked about doing research on, on psychopaths and serial killers, where did he go for his headspace, especially in some of those scenes, like probably know the ones I'm talking about to, to get that anger and, and go crazy. Well, you know, he's one of these actors who does a lot of homework before you start, you know, and he asked us a lot of questions about the character and the motivation. And it was literally through, uh, through those discussions that uh, the whole backstory, uh, the, the equine backstory came about. Uh, as we were explaining, uh, sorry, uh, as we were explaining what, the, what, what turned him into who he is, it, 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 it all evolved from these kind of discussions. And so he's a guy who will uh, endlessly think about it before he goes to work. But once he goes to work, he owns it. And he just turns it on and just blows you away. That's amazing. Well, and the other part of the casting that I really, really loved was the fact that that you you got um, Robert Sheehan in this, and I kind of find it funny because they're saying you know newcomer. I'm like, no, I've known of him. <laughs> Anyone that's watched Misfits knows about how good he is. Um, can you talk about what led to his being uh, cast as Sean and that how just 
purely likable he is uh, as a character and as it it started with misfits i mean i'm a giant fan of the show i mean i think that that show completely redefined the superhero mythos i mean i I just think that it's, it's a remarkable piece and he was incredible on it. My wife and I used to watch the show going, this kid's going to be a huge star. And then a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to cast him in a small part in something I was working on. And as I started working with him, I realized he's not just a really interesting personality who's funny and, and cool. This is a deeply talented and skillful actor. I'd I, I go as far as to say, I think he's the best actor under 30. And so when this part came around, I just asked him, I said, Will you please take a look at this? I, I can't see anyone else in the part than you. And, you know, I'm just so convinced in him as an actor. And sure enough, in the middle of shooting the movie, he gave me a call. Uh, uh, and, and he said, he said, Dean, I, I need to fly to San Francisco this weekend. And I said, I said, I'm sorry, Robert. You know, we're, we're, there's a very low budget film and I can't risk, you know, if something goes wrong with your flight home and you can't get back there in time. Uh, uh, you know, we can't afford to, to miss time with you on Monday. I, I can't let you go to San Francisco. And he said, but I'm going there to meet Peter Jackson. He's thinking of casting in the lead of his new film. And I said, what time am I picking you up to take you to the airport? <laughs> and, and, and he got the part. That's and he got the part. So he's, he's the lead in the new, um, in the new Peter Jackson. And this, uh, the, this guy's going to blow up. He's going to be a huge star. I know I saw the trailer for that, and it just um, looks insane. It just looks insane. I can't, I can't wait for that movie. Yeah. Um, so the other piece of this that I really love, cause I'm in Eugene, Oregon is the fact mm-hmm. that you filmed this in Portland and Portland. is almost like its own character in this movie. They even mentioned, um, there's something he likes about Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. why port, why Portland, Oregon? Well, the original script took place in Los Angeles and, I've been working up in Oregon for about 10 years now between the, the TV show Leverage and mm-hmm. the show The Librarian. And obviously, I've fallen in love with Oregon. I mean, you can't be in Oregon and not fall in love with it. But the thing is, that there's something very unique about Portland. And, and for me, what it is, is that it has all the accoutrements of a big city. You know, it has the big buildings. It has the public transportation. It has stadiums. But it, at its heart and soul, it's a small town. Mm-hmm. Kind of everybody knows everybody. There are no secrets in Portland. <laughs> you know? It's kind of so true. I think it, it created um, an intimacy that would not have existed in Los Angeles. And I, I, I remember bringing our writer, Brandon Boyce, up, because at the time we were shooting our TV series, and I said, just come up for a weekend. And he immediately got it. He said, just visually, it was spectacular. And the people... Are, are kind and they're open and unfortunately vulnerable. And so it, it, by placing our film there, it, it, it gives the film a, a, a intimacy that, uh, that you would normally not get in a large city. Exactly. It, and it's true because there is such an openness to a lot of people in Oregon that it does leave you open for bad things to happen. It, it's true. Right. Um, so kind of, kind of leading off of that, you just came from your, um, to, to this film from doing Geostorm, which is a big special effects heavy, um, uh, motion picture. How do you, how does it feel to go from something that 
to like a different extreme with this because this movie, I, I, it's it's kind of odd. It almost felt like a play because it seems so self-contained uh, up until the the finale, the the third act. It could almost have been a play to me. Well, you know, everything about this movie was out of my comfort zone. I mean, I've never done this tone. I've never done anything that looked like this. Uh, I've never done anything scary like this before. So everything about taking this on was exhilarating and terrifying. And, uh, you know, I, I had no confidence in my ability to do this kind of movie, which is probably why I decided to do it. Um, but it was such a challenge on every level. And, you know, my, my Oregon crew is the best crew in the whole world. And, you know, they are my partners to things I do like this. And having them there to, to give, give me guidance on their experience on when they've done other films of this budget size and, and of this, this tone, it was invaluable. You know, uh, my DP, uh, Dave Connell, he, 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 he's done a lot of Stephen King movies. And, and you know, he, he kept talking to me about ways of thinking of framing and, 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 and how to build a sequence. And it, 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 was, it was a fabulous experience to make this movie. And uh, it could only happen independently. Gotcha. Well, and, and the other thing that I wanted to ask you about is uh, K- Kale's life and is just, it's a, he's just a fascinating character. And I was wondering about the possibility of having like a prequel to this so you can see his history. Cause Ooh. I'm, I want to know teenage kale i want to know how long he's been doing this and how it led to this because he's he you can tell he's no no spoilers but he's been doing this a while (laughs) and and i'm curious well for you to say that is is just literally the ultimate compliment to david's work because he you know it's so easy to have a two-dimensional mustache twirling villain. And the, the reason I think that you have this desire is he created such a complex and interesting and compelling character that, yeah, you, you want to know more. You want to see more. Right. And, well, and it just is, it's, it, I would love to see how this built kind of like with they, you know, they did with talented Mr. Ripley, where you, when you have a character like that, that's just fascinating. And I don't know what it is with sociopaths and psychopaths, but it's just like, we're drawn to them because they show us what the dark side of ourselves, I guess, in, in seeing it in film form is a safety net. And so it, it just makes you drawn to this. Well, you know, he did such a good job. I, I, I heard Jordan Peele talking about this the other day and he said something that I, I found really correct and interesting as he said, scary movies actually have a place in our culture and that they allow us to be amongst other human beings and face our darkest, deepest fears and to do it together in a safe place. And there's a catharsism that happens from this. And I I think partially why this movie is so scary is because this character is someone you could actually run into and to be able to get through that with other people, there, there is a catharsis. Oh, totally. And, um, it's, I think it's fine. They're finally getting their due to um, you brought up Jordan Peele and it's, it's, I, I want to say that I've, I've been saying this for a while, this Oscar season and the winners that happened there 
were so I, I was so thrilled because this is the first time that you had like a movie like Logan being nominated for best screenplay and you have movies like Get Out and Shape of Water up for these massive awards and it's like finally these movies are getting their due and like a movie with like Bad Samaritan just because it has to do with a guy that like it just a subject matter like a horror film doesn't lessen how beautifully shot it is how amazing an actor performance that you got out of uh david Tennant, who was a shakespearean actor you know it's like these yeah. it doesn't lessen yeah. it 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 you know it it's amazing and it shouldn't be shortened because of the genre that it falls in that's my that's well, my you rant. Know, <laughs> well but I, listen, I, I, you're touching on something that's very dear to me is that, you know, I, I think part of the problem is that there, there are a lot of people who try to make genre entertainment because they think it will make them a lot of money and maybe one day lead to them getting to make their Oscar award winning film. But I don't think that ever, ever works. To me, if you want to make a great genre film, you actually have to love genre film. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to make a great art house film, you have to love art house film. And I think the big mistake is when people try to, and I put this in quotes, elevate a genre movie by arthousing it up. And, and I think that that is a disrespect to genre. I think genre is a, is a fantastic thing. And, and when done with love from people who really enjoy it, uh, it, it can be transcendent. Uh, but I do think it is different than arthouse work. But I, I, I just think that it, it, the, the minute it, it, it comes from a place of, oh, we can make money with this idea, I think the audiences can smell it. I mean, you've been to the movies and you watch trailers and, and then a certain movie trailer will come on and you can just hear the people in the development meeting going, oh yeah, my kids are going to love this. And then they never do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's exactly right. And I think, I, I know I'm, I'm probably almost out of time, but I had to ask this because you are, you, you make no bones about the fact that you're a geek and you love all this stuff just like we do. I love the fact that you have managed to work with Jonathan Frakes, you've worked with David Tennant, and Bruce Campbell in shows that you've made. Do you have like a list that you go down that you're like, I want this one and this one and this one and this one, and you collect them like action figures? I think that's fantastic. Who who would you love to work with? You got to put Jeff Goldblum in there too. Oh my God, yes, it's true. It's true. It's true. All of them. All of them. And and remember, I, I I had Chris Evans before he was a superhero. That's true. That's true. Oh my God. And, 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 and Scarlett Johansson. I had her with giant spiders long before she was battling uh, creatures <laughs> of the <Avengers. laughs> Well, it's it's true. You you like you you you've got this down. You're you're pretty you're pretty dead on with it. And you know you worked on the Patriot, and so you had the Joker. I mean, it's 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 fa- right. it's fantastic to see all of this. And how is it as a geek to to work in that in that ability to have this kind of thing and, and be in this in, in this industry? Because I mean, it's like a kid in the candy store to me. You know, you know what's interesting is because right now, in order to publicize Bad Samaritan, you know, we don't have a studio behind us. You know, we're releasing the film ourselves. We don't have a giant budget. I'm going from sci-fi convention and horror convention, uh, uh, state after state after state. I've been traveling all over uh, 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 the United States, just going to one event to another. I'm going to another one tonight. 
And the thing that really pops out when you go to these, these, these Comic Cons or Wizard World is you see that genre fans are quite literally the least pretentious people on the planet. These are people who just love their entertainment the way they love it, and they make no, no excuses for it. They're not ashamed of it. They're proud of it. They want to dress up as it, and they want to share it with other people who feel the same passion. That's how I feel as, as a filmmaker. I feel it's not from a place of trying to be on a, a hill. I see it from being dressed up in a costume and on the floor of the convention. You know, for me, it's, it's all about being a fan and, and wanting to create the experiences that I personally enjoy as a fan. So, uh, you know, to me, that's been my entire pursuit since I started. You know, my, when I was a little boy, my mother uh, was an actress who did a guest star on the original Star Trek. And she came home with a phaser from the set and gave oh it God. to me. You know, I think I was 10 years old at the time. That was, that was the crack. That was the, 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 the cocaine. That was the, the, <laughs> the phaser. That, that started the whole thing, you know. And, and I've always approached every film I did as a fanboy. In other words, would I, as a fanboy, want to go see this? And if somebody else isn't making it, then I better go out and go make it. That's fantastic. That's a great answer. Thank you. Thank you for this movie Thank too, you. by the way. This was, uh, if, it, so can you give some details about where and when they will be, uh, fans will be able to watch Bad Samaritan? Cause I want everybody to see this. Well, <laughs> the movie opens wide on, on May the 4th. And it, that's easy to remember because you just got to say May the 4th. Fourth be with you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for your listeners, for your listeners, I want to suggest another way to see the film, which is we've partnered up with a group called Legion M. And if you don't know Legion M, go to their website, legionm.com. They're so interesting. It's, I think they're going to change our business. It is a 100% fan-owned entertainment company. So the, the members, the 35,000 members they have now, are actually the owners of the company. And they, are, they have joined forces with us to promote our film. And one of the things they're doing, which is really great, is on opening weekend, they are organizing fan meetups at theaters all across the country, and they're giving away swag bags with cool stuff from the movie. Uh, so it, I think that, that you know, for, you, for your listeners, that's the most fun way to go see this movie. Oh, yeah. Go on the website, say, well, I live in Eugene, Oregon, and I'd like to, to be part of a fan meetup. They will help organize a fan meetup in, in you know, wherever you're at. And so far, they've had, I think, close to 3,000 requests for meetups now. So it's going to be a lot of fun on opening weekend. I think that's the best way for, for fans to go see the picture. That's fantastic. All right. Dean, thank you so much. This was amazing. And I, we'd love to have you back on the show whenever you have a new project uh, coming out because you're one of us. So you're always welcome. Well, well this, this summer. This summer on, on the CW, we'll be debuting our, our new TV series, The Outpost. Maybe we can talk then. Awesome. I'm down. Thank you so much, <laughs> Dean. This was fantastic. Right. 